is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Jess Joss on the show today. Jess is the CEO of Equation, a joint venture that brings together three angel investment networks. Um, She's the co-founder of Insightful Solutions and partner in Spider Capital Corporation. Leveraging more than 20 years of business leadership, entrepreneurial expertise, and investment experience, she played a vital role in the realization of Equation and and its impactful investment collaboration. A passionate connector of people, technology, and opportunity, and fueled by a love of entrepreneurship, mentorship, and angel investing, Jess works closely with ecosystem partners, dedicated angels, and game-changing young companies looking to grow. She's committed to driving growth, customer, revenue, and capital acquisition, exceptional exits, community and economic development, and is building directly on these objectives. She maintains the transparency of the angel investment process while cultivating collaboration, community engagement, and deals. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Likewise. And it's quite a, an introduction. I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down. This is incredible uh, and, and very timely conversation, I think, having um, around funding and looking at various investment processes and um, looking at your entrepreneurial path to get some feedback for women entrepreneurs um, at this sort of juncture and this moment in history. <laughs> well, delighted to be here. Thank you so much for that. Fantastic. So before we dive into today's conversation, Jess, what are the top areas that you want women entrepreneurs to take away from our chat? Absolutely. So, you know, in preparing for this chat and looking, uh, chatting both with yourself and Matthew, it was an opportunity, I think, for one to share personal experiences just in terms of a little bit of the the journey that I've had, just so that people can see that everyone's roots are perhaps different, but they can all get you to great endings. Two, to talk a little bit about um, the angel investing world in Ontario and then also what angels look for when they're investing. And three, uh, just to resonate with other female entrepreneurs that there are struggles and challenges, but there's also great opportunities. 
and especially for those people that are considering making the jump into entrepreneurship to help uh, encourage them to follow their heart and follow their dreams. Mm, fantastic. So, so much to unpack there. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. I'll uh, speak quickly. Oh, like we're, we're in good company there. <laughs> I'm also on that beat. <laughs> so tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. Let's start with you. Um, how did things begin for you and, and sort of where have you ended up over the last couple of years? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so I always had been sort of part of seeing that from the grassroots side and the very glamorous side where you went in and cleaned the offices on the weekend because there was no money in the company for a cleaning person or you were planting the flowers outside of the mm. office building, um, but also saw the highs, the lows, um, you know, went through, uh, experienced the mergers and uh, different acquisitions and stuff like that. So I, as a child, I grew up through that. Uh, my first entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journey was reselling candy in grade four and five before places like Costco and wholesale candy was available. So I'd package it up and resell it. So it was, um, you know, it was a very high stakes game, um, but it made my classmates very happy. Um, and then in university, I um I wasn't a business student, um, but I guess I always had sort of uh, drunk the Kool-Aid to some degree. And I did a bunch of student government in university, loved the the applicability and the real worldness of it in comparison to my history degree. And because of doing the student government, I had to take a fifth year at school to finish off all the curriculum that I needed to do because the student government uh, meant that I wasn't working or wasn't able to go to school full time that year. And so I took a bunch of business related courses and absolutely loved it. You know, everything from org, you know, organizational behavior to um, to marketing, to just a whole series of courses that I'd never touched on in a formal way, although I'd maybe experienced business in different aspects of it to uh, to learn some of the theory behind it. And I found it really really interesting. So it sort of was a bug that bit me. Um, and then I graduated from university and uh, ended up taking the course Internet Business and Technology. It was a really interesting program because it brought together not only the technology, but also what was the business value and then how could you help transform businesses. So I started a company uh, early, early stages, but it was web design um, back in an era when web designers were typically, one, they were typically male, two, they typically, um, they would work for, you know, six months, they would ski for six months. So customer service was really shaky in the world. And also a lot of uh, small business owners really didn't understand the internet. They just had heard enough that they needed to have it. Um, so yeah, that was a really interesting experience. So I started that business uh, basically right out of university and, um, you know, I tried to make myself professional in a field that did not seem very professional. So I joined a bunch of chambers of commerce. I got involved and I still have that business today. It's morphed and continued to evolve into an online marketing firm and I'm no longer operational in it. But that was a really interesting way to sort of begin my entrepreneurial journey because I got to work in so many different industries with my customers and start to understand their businesses and understand their pain points and their value add. And, um, start creating what I felt was my own, um, I guess my own code for how to go about it. You know, I was very fundamental in terms of people would ask me for extra features that I didn't feel that they needed. And I was very upfront about that, which maybe was, seemed like a short term, you know, 
poor business decision. But what I found was I've now had, you know, customers for 15 years, 20 years because of always being very honest and providing good value. So I think that's something that as an entrepreneur, I would share with other entrepreneurs saying, look at sort of the the long-term value of a customer when you're creating those relationships. And when you're looking at your sales, um, there's sometimes where, you know, the short-term pain for long-term gain might be a really good adage in order to help you develop those long-term relations. And so I, you know, really enjoyed working closely with my clients and developing, you know, helping to develop. First, there was the website, then there was e-commerce, then there was the online marketing and continuing to evolve the offerings that we had for the clients, but working um, carefully with them. So that was my initial journey. Started that company, hmm, incorporated in 98, was fully operational in 99. And that company continues today. And we have some amazing clients and it's been an, an interesting journey as technologies continue to evolve, as people can, you know, design their own basic websites, but then you can show them the value add of having, you know, a professionally one with the back end services and then moving a lot more into the online marketing because that really is a, a strong niche space. So that's um, that's an area where I've really enjoyed working and um so under that company, I started it on my own. And then in 2002, I came together with a business partner, uh, moved the company location from Toronto up to Markham and sort of joined our clientele together, joined our expertise and offered a more robust um, toolkit to to our customers. And, and that was a very interesting experience. It was a good learning experience for me. Um, what happened uh, from that was also I learned that when you choose a business partner, you're also um, you know, I, as a sort of entrepreneur to entrepreneur, I'd say really spend a lot of time thinking about the person that you're developing a business with. Um, and one of the things I would say there is, you know, in life, you're, you may have a life partner, but you'll often mm -hmm. spend more time with your business partner. Your financial stability is hinging on them. Your reputation hinges on them. And at the end of the day, if you have different, different outlooks, different, you know, moral codes, whatever it may be, you don't love them, so it's uh, mm. <laughs> you know it's it's harder to That's make up, and point. it's so it's a very I, I you know it's it is a form of marriage, right? It's a form of marriage with maybe not <laughs> without without the love in it. So really think about as you're because I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like, okay, I'm going to get a team together and I'm going to have a a co-founder and stuff like that. So just really know your your founders, your co-founders, or, you know, if you're bringing a partner and really know, get to know them as a person. Um, to me, knowing someone as a person and um, being aligned in values is a really important, important thing. Um, so I did bring, I did come together with a partner and then a year, a year or so later, um, had the opportunity to buy her out, uh, I think, which was better for both of us. Um, so I, I speak of what I know in terms of learning experiences. <laughs> so, um, and then that business has continued. In 2005, my husband joined me in the business um, as it was growing and needed, you know, sort of additional sort of partners. And as time evolved on, um, I stepped back from the business. I became, um, first of all, I had my son, um, and uh, wanted to have a bit more flexibility in my schedule in order to be able to um, to participate uh, in his early years. And then from there, I actually moved more actively into angel investing. So I'd been an angel investor and a member of York Angel Investors for a number of years. But in 20, I'm just trying to do the math, I would say 2014, I took over as executive director and uh, 
like all good um, new adventures, I was like, okay, yes, I'll do it for one year. I'll help you out interim while you find the right person for the job. Um, <laughs> and, I can predict um, where that's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I fell in love with it. And it, it's interesting because I didn't think, um, you know, knowing what I brought to the table, I'm like, yes, I can do marketing. I do events. Uh, I love people. I love membership and stuff like that. I'll never negotiate a term sheet. That's not my love. That's not my skill set. And, you know, so as we were going through the negotiations, they're like, yeah, but we have a lot of infrastructure and, you know, solidity within the organization that we have, you know, deal, you know, term sheets already established and different things like that. But what we need is, you know, the marketing, the energy, the events, et cetera, and so on. Um, so I was like, okay, we'll do it for a year and absolutely fell in love, loved the ecosystem. I already knew a lot of angels having been a member, but, you know, seeing it from the other side, it was really interesting for me. Loved being out in the community, developing the deal flow uh, and bringing companies forward and then, you know, working with angel members to select. So it was um, it was a really interesting transition for me. So not only from going to, from entrepreneur to investor, but then from investor to executive director and um just in terms of how you put together an overall program, how you engage angels at different stages of their portfolio building, and so on. So really a process that I loved. Um, and I, I'm committed to the angel space. I found my, I, I my friends laugh because, you know, you had your business for so long, you know, you really like that. And I'm like, yeah, but now I've had that sort of, I'm just in a space where I'm like, I just have found the right place for me. And I, I really believe in um, investing and helping entrepreneurs. And I believe in what angel investors do for the Canadian economy. I believe in what they do for our country. So it's um, just sort of an aha moment uh, when I, you know, was doing it for one year and didn't expect to have that aha moment, but it, uh, it worked out very well. And so that was, you know, I was with York for five years, loved, loved it there, still very close to many people there. And then, um, sort of moving on. And I think this takes us into, you know, probably your next question as well is sort of what am I doing today? And these days, um, last year, Equation launched and Equation is a organization, a joint venture of three angel groups, uh, three founding members, now four groups uh, based in Southern Ontario. And they are representing over 200 angels and the rationale of coming together is um, within the Ontario landscape, there's many regionally based angel organizations. And there was, you know, as some great people pre me joining, put their heads together and said, you know, there's a lot of economies of scales that we're missing by not, <coughs> pardon me, by not being part of a single organization. But also one of the challenges in the angel investing world has been for entrepreneurs, you apply at a number of different groups, you meet with a number of different angels. Um, over my investing, you know, last 12 years of investing, what I've noticed is that angels, by and large, are putting in smaller amounts into more companies. So they're creating a more robust portfolio um, for themselves and also sort of mitigating the risk. But what this means as an entrepreneur is it takes more angels to fill your round. Um, and so one of the areas that Equation is really trying to address is that by having the 200 angels coming together by having a streamlined screening process. So instead of screening with three or four groups separately, you screen with you screen once to present to the three and four groups. Um, what that means is it's a lot more efficient for the entrepreneur um, because sort of one screening process access over 200 angels. Uh, so the ability to fill the round is there and the, the network, the expertise is there. And I think, uh, you know, from an 
in entrepreneur perspective, one of the things is that you often had a big time lag as you were applying between these different groups and then you would present to one and then you wouldn't fill your rounds. So you'd get referred to another and then you'd have to start the, the process all over. So it's a much more efficient um, process for an entrepreneur. And, it, you know, as an entrepreneur, I have a lot of empathy because you're trying to run your business, but you're also trying to raise. And it's almost those are two separate hats and two distinct roles. So the more we as angels can do to make that an efficient, effective um, process brings value to the entrepreneur. So it's um, it's a win-win situation as when you bring that many angels together, the expertise is there in terms of subject matter expertise. You're able to fill the rounds. You're getting access to, to better deals. But from the entrepreneur side, it's a real value add as well because it's a faster, more succinct process. Um, and so it's not, you know, six months of going to all parts of the province, mm-hmm. et cetera, and so on. Yeah, it gives uh, you more time to focus on your business. <laughs> exactly. You know, head down and be in the trenches, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that really brings value add on both sides. So it's, you know, it's faster, most, more efficient. Uh, efficient for the entrepreneurs. It brings better deals and pooling of resources for the angels. And so Equation represents uh, four groups. The three founding partners are GTAN out of Kitchener-Waterloo, Angel One out of Burlington, and uh, Southwestern Ontario or SWO out of London. And then we've been added by WeCan, which is out of Windsor. Um, And so the, the base is growing. We launched October, which was, so depending on when you play this, this is, uh, was October 2019. Um, and so the group has, you know, a lot of really dedicated great angels. And the groups themselves bring forward a decade of great information. Um, what that means is that there's a lot of uh, angel expertise, there's a lot of good community contacts, and there's also a lot of contacts upstream. And what I mean by upstream is in terms of VCs and different organizations like that. So we look to help our portfolio companies, you know, bring them, help mentor and bring them in as portfolio companies, but also on the upside, help them find opportunities where they can continue to grow, develop and raise funds. And then we as as angels can also see um, exits. So when Jess, when you're looking at investing in um, an entrepreneur or specifically a women entrepreneur, what are the key components that you're looking for? So you mentioned, you know, you don't want to be pitched on uh, the prototype or sort of specific product demo. Um, you want to make sure that they're at the, a particular juncture of maturity. Um, are there any other considerations that women entrepreneurs should have when they're entering a conversation with an angel investor? Sure. So absolutely. Um, From my point of view, I'm definitely looking for a pitch, not a product demo. And I'm looking for somebody who's post concept, post revenue. And what I look for, I'm I'm fairly industry agnostic. um, Mm. And so I've, you know, been in a lot of different industries. So some angels are very industry specific and, you know, they love life science and they're hardcore into that or they're AI and that's what they do. Um, I tend to invest sort of in a broader range, um, maybe call it hedging my bet, but I always invest through an angel group. And the reason I do that is because through an angel group, I get to share expertise and I get to tap into my fellow angels that are subject matter experts in a particular area. So for example, I'm in a cyber, uh, cyber security deal and yet that is not my area of expertise. But when somebody sort of, you know, top five in North America in cybersecurity and they're like, I'm so excited by this deal. I'm like, you know what? I think I can get excited too. So certainly um, for me, I'm in a broad range of um, deals, but all of them are looking, you know, so it goes from uh, a horror film to vodka to hardware companies to software platforms and, you know, a whole range in between. So it's a fairly broad gamut, you know, but some of the things that hold true is they're all using the money to scale, 
they're all they all have an exit plan. And one of the things I would say is you're looking to be investment ready is, you know, one, you've got a pitch, not a product demo. Two, you've already had some conversations with angels. And this is not formal pitching. This is, you know, mentoring and advice. There's lots mm-hmm. of different incubators, accelerators that can help hook you up with office hours just to start getting opinions. But as you're starting to build your presentation, I think it's really important to look at it from an angel perspective. Um, and the reason I say that is because you want people to be able to, one, it's a bit of storytelling and it's, you know, capturing their energy. A lot of angels are exited entrepreneurs, so they want to see some, um, you know, energy, hope and enthusiasm for where the, your company is going and why you're passionate about it. We want to see the passion. We also want to you know, see that your numbers make sense. So, you know, sharing that you've got a, you know, a solid growth trajectory that you have an awareness of your market. And so that, you know, often looks like a slide where you um, compare yourself to some of your competitors. Uh, one of the things that I would say is never say you don't have a competitor. Mm. To me, if you say you don't have a competitor, you haven't looked hard <laughs> enough or um, you're, you don't necessarily see what your customer might be seeing as a competitor. You may say, oh, we're not even in the same league. They don't even do the same thing. But, you know, your end user may not be as savvy in your industry as you are, and they may think that you actually are competitors. So you need to, you know, have a pretty, you know, broad spectrum of how you're looking at what your competitor base is, and then also how you outserve them or outserve them in a particular niche. Um, And then as you're going into the pitching process, you know, I think it's important to be open to feedback. It's a fine line. You want to be, so as an angel investor, I want someone who is coachable, which means they take feedback, but also want somebody who's strong enough and believes in the product and knows their industry well enough that they will um, be able to articulate why they must go on the path that they're going on um, after hearing, you know, a suggestion or be able to have a full and robust dialogue about it. Um, I think that's really important that there's conversation, but also that, you know, if you know your industry really well, that there might be an element that you're going to have to hold firm on, which is different than how your angel investors would, based on their experience, would suggest. And you can say, but here's why in this industry at this time, this is essential. So it's having these really strong, open and honest conversations as you're going through the process. Mm. Um, in your, as you're putting together your uh, pitch presentation, I think it's really important to have an exit strategy. That for me is important. And some people say, but it's mm. too early. Um, and you know what? I agree that I think, you know, most of the companies that we're looking, I've had companies that exit in two and a half years or three years, but that by and large isn't the norm. So if you look at an, uh, you know, sort of off the cuff Ontario statistics. When I first went into um, investing, you know, 11, 12 years ago, we uh, we were using data that came out of Silicon Valley. So we all thought that, you know, companies were going to go in, you know, exit in three years or five years um, at the most. And that's not necessarily the trajectory that's happened here. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just different. So what that means is one, you're together longer. um, And so you're looking at, you know, maybe I like to think of seven to 10 years on a return on investment. I am very happy when it happens before that, but I don't necessarily um, bank on it. And so when I see a deck that tells me that Google is going to buy them in 18 months, um, well, there's a lot of decks that say that. And, you know, Google, Google does acquire a lot of companies, but, you know, they're not buying everybody. So, you know, I like, uh, so I like to see an exit strategy, but it's not something that one would hold you to. It's just showing that you've already thought about how, how you are valuable within your industry and to whom 
next level you're valuable for. So angels are looking for an exit strategy so they can repatriate their money. And that can mean, you know, it can mean that you're going public. It can mean that you're bought, or it can mean that you bring in another round of funding that buys out your small, that, you know, offers to buy out your smaller Mm -hmm. angels. We're looking for a liquidity event. So there's multiple different ways to fulfill our needs and yours. There's not just one set path, which I think is something that we talked about a little bit earlier on. Again, there's multiple ways to get to a successful Mm -hmm. end. Um, But certainly having an idea that there is an exit and in your presentation, you know, discussing some of those ways, I think is important, at least for me personally, because it shows to me that you've thought about this as an exit and my, my money being repatriated and ideally my money being repatriated at a multiple, um, as opposed to this being a lifestyle business where we are enhancing the lifestyle, um, and not necessarily seeing something Mm -hmm. come back. Um, I think it's also really important that you always make, I mean, at an angel investor level, if you're working with a group, you're always going to have proper term sheets. You're going to have the, you know, everything contractually done. Um, one thing I would say is I wouldn't consider, you know, companies that are coming forward for investment. And I've had people ask me, but you know, well, I'm not incorporated yet. I'm like, well, then you're not investment yeah. ready because how can I take an equity investment in something that doesn't exist? You know, you're looking at not only post concept, post revenue, but you have to have your ducks in a row and you have to have educated yourself a little bit. So, you know, you need to be incorporated. You need to have, you know, as I, I think I'd mentioned earlier, have your due diligence room basically ready, have your articles of incorporation, your shareholders agreement, different things like that. Like you have to have your closet clean and ready to go. Um, and that makes your investor process move a lot more quickly as you move forward. But I think it's also important, you know, to be honest about who you are. Um, and, you know, I think good communication is paramount, you know, whether it's a personal relationship, whether it's a, you know, boss employee relationship, whether it's supplier or whether it's an investor, you know, keeping your lines of communication open and being honest, not springing things on people last minute and always trying to find for me personally, I always look at the win win in things. So, you know, if, you know, presenting opportunities and even if they're challenges, looking for the win-win as a way that, you know, people can all come out, you know, for the better is to me a great strategy. And that brings your investors, your employers um, and your suppliers along with you. So it's something that I think works really well in the investment world and outside Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And being aware that people come from their different perspectives. So the investors are coming through their filter, your, you know, your co-founder might be coming through their filter, but always trying to get to an opportunity where everyone has an opportunity to benefit. And so as an investor, I see it as someone, you know, having my money and I need them to be working hard and I need to believe that they, they believe in what they're doing, that they're knowledgeable and that they will do everything that they can, um, to, to grow the business and that they will communicate honestly and openly. And we will believe that it will go very well and there are going to be ups and downs. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I know that and, you know, communicate with me and keep me in the loop and, you know, as an angel investor, I'd like to say that, you know, we can bring some, you know, not me, not just me personally, but your angel and your angels overall can bring some expertise, some connections to different situations. So make sure that you continue post investment to communicate and continue to develop that relationship and see how people can be maybe a part of the solution or help you as you're going through challenges or connect you to help you into new growth opportunities. So that is that I think is really incredible um, and valuable advice that you're providing, um, and and especially around the exits that you know when you're talking about real estate and how you're positioning your, your organization, it almost feels counterintuitive um, to to include that. Um, but it's looking at the future and making sure that you have a plan in place um, that you're you are forward looking and you do have the the angel perspective in mind as well because that would be something that would be beneficial on both sides. Um, so that's an interesting piece of advice that I don't know if we've heard on the Thrive Podcast oh, yet. Very so good. That's well, great. 
to provide something new and salient. <laughs> exactly. So when you look back at, you know, all of the various investments that you've made and relationships that you've built over time across your, your various ventures, um, are there any lessons that you, you've learned either the hard way or sort of in positive ways that you would want to share with women entrepreneurs um, as they either look for investments or as, you know, uh, our entrepreneurs shift um, post-exit and, and becoming investors themselves? Uh, what lessons have you learned along the way? Um, sure. So I think, you know, starting from my entrepreneurial side, I go mm. back to stressing, you know, make sure that you put everything on paper that you are, you know, mm. when you start a business with the co-founder that you have all the proper shareholder agreements and corporations, stuff like that. And the same when you get your first couple of investments, which are often your friends and family round, I think it's still important mm. to have some sort of documentation along the way. And when you're choosing a co-founder or a business partner, um, you know, the short snippet would be that it's marriage, but you don't love the person. You spend a lot of time with them and, you know, <laughs> you're financially dependent often on them and you're reputationally dependent on them. So you really want to make sure that, you know, your goals, visions and uh, moral code align because it's, you know, mm -hmm. getting rid of a partner is just like divorce. It's really expensive and it's not a lot of fun. Um, so it's better to, you know, make sure that you really know the people that you're getting involved with. And that also goes, for, you know, along with your investors. I think open communication is something that's really important along the way with your investors, but also with your team. You know, as your company mm -hmm. goes through ups and downs as a startup and a scale up, you know, if you can explain to your team where you are and where they're going forward um, and how they are vital to that and also, you know, be somewhat transparent on some of the challenges. I think that can be very motivational to people and help them move mm -hmm. forward. And then, um, you know, as you continue looking at sort of the in different investment opportunities and as an investor, some of the things that I I like to solicit a lot of opinions and it's not that I can't make up my own mind, but I think one of the things is I really like to get um opinions of people from different backgrounds and different you know, mm -hmm. industry experiences and different ages. There's just different. Uh, so both, you know, if I was looking at a company to invest in, I might talk to some potential customers or people that I know that I think would be potential customers to get their feedback because I may not be the target demographic, but it doesn't mean it's not a good business. So I think being open minded in that way is important. Um, and I love when I get the opportunity to invest that I invest, um, you know, the opportunity through the relationships within the angel investing world, I've been able to really tap into a ton of expertise, which has allowed me to do better investments because I have, you know, people that come from different subject matter expertise, people that come from different backgrounds that has allowed me to invest um, more savvily. And, um, and I think to me, everything comes down to being very much a, a people-based thing. So whether you're leading a team in a startup, whether you're uh, seeking investment or whether you are an investor, it all comes down to relationships. So remembering the humanity, treating people well, but also looking for the common goals and the common win-win opportunities is sort of the you know, the philosophy of how I – the filter that I look at things. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is that, you know – you can do it your way. I think that, you know, doing it your way, sometimes it may take longer or not everyone sees the vision of what you're doing in terms of doing it your way. But if you're authentic to yourself, you will be the intrinsic motivation is there. And I think that you as an entrepreneur will rise further and farther. And then as an investor, you can see that spark in an entrepreneur that just sets them apart, their, their passion, their understanding and their authenticity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a relationship when you're investing in someone um, because you're investing in someone, they have an idea. And the reality is maybe their first one isn't, you know, the first company isn't going to be awesome. Mm. But if they're a truly awesome entrepreneur, and they've really developed a good relationship, 
maybe it's the second one that they're really going to head it out of the park or the first one. Yeah, it's the exited, but it's, you know, a modest exit. And so we're all thankful for that modest exit. Uh, but, you know, that you want to be with them on the next journey because you really you believe in them and their ability to execute. So, you know, everything is a relationship. And as an investor, it's a relationship. I get invited into, you know, different deal opportunities, perhaps because of the relationships I had, or I hear about deals from across Canada through my network across Canada, because I've maintained relationships and I've worked hard to, you know, work with other angel groups and other angels mm -hmm. across the country. So Canada is an amazing country. We are big geographically, but when it comes to the investing community, we're small and Ontario is, you know, quite a, you know, we've got a good investing community here. And you saw the numbers that I mentioned from last year. But again, it's a small community. So treating people well um, behooves you because, you know, it is, again, a small community, and it's not hard to pick up the phone. And for you to check, you know, an investor and for an investor to check on an entrepreneur or vice versa. So looking for those win-win solutions long term behooves everybody. Mm. And I love that term, you know, looking at the even the word investment, um, you know, usually people think of the financial investment being sort of that, uh, that uh, connection point, um, but you're investing in a person, you're investing in, in their Absolutely. passion, exactly as what you were saying that, mm -hmm. um, and, and in so many pitch competitions that I'm a part of as, as a, either a judge or a mentor or space. Um, tell me about you. What is it about you that you are the only person who's going to be able to bring this business to life and, and do this successfully? Um, that part I find is really challenging for entrepreneurs to position themselves within their pitches um, and within their businesses as being that unique um, uh, enabler of, of bringing this organization to life. Absolutely. And it's that it's that hard thing to do because one, you know, we're Canadian, so we're not we're not super mm. adept at bragging. <laughs> but two, you also want to make your you want your company there's this it's finding that secret sauce, especially at the earlier stages, it's finding that secret sauce of I bring something unique to the table, but also mm. this company is robust enough that if I, you know, if a bus comes along, heaven forbid, that it continues. So it's finding, you know, that how to position it, that there is passion, there is something unique here. And, you know, one of the things that's always important to me in a pitch is what is the moat so other people can't replicate what you're doing. And one of the elements of in your pitch is, you know, perhaps the expertise that you bring to the table. There needs to be more than that, though, because it can't just be the moat being one person being the expert. But, you know, having a couple of things that make it really hard for someone to replicate what you have done is a really compelling thing because, um, you know, people can build a website. And, you know, so what is, you know, is it your technology? Is it your connections? Is it the way you put it together? What is the secret sauce? That's something that's really compelling to me. And I think that's something, you know, people are part of that secret yeah. sauce quite often. Um, you know, it's not just numbers or patents or, you know, a particular technology. And I think sometimes people overlook human capital. So that's something that I always like to see because it's important to me because the reality of it is you can have a great widget, but if you don't have a fantastic team putting in their blood, sweat and tears to, to sell it and grow the company, then, you know, I'm investing in a widget that's not going anywhere. So, you know, the, you know, the human capital is a really important element to me. Mm, completely agree. So Jess, leaving our audience with maybe one key takeaway from our conversation, I think this is a crash course in angel investing for me <laughs> and for many of our listeners today. So thank you for all these valuable insights. If you oh, had to really pleasure. crystallize, you know, one key takeaway or one main action um, for women entrepreneurs who are listening today, what would that one key piece be? So, I think it comes back down to you have to love what you're doing. And so that means being authentic and doing it your way. And if doing it your way is 
bootstrapping and taking it longer to grow your business, but doing it in a way that you can control all the pieces and grow it the way that you want, then that is equally valid to, you know, very quickly taking on a large amount of investment and having a hockey stick growth. Everything, um, you know, it's being authentic and it's being honest and that's how you're going to have your growth and your success. And that applies to how you build your business plan, how you look for investment, who your investors are and what your trajectory is. But I think also that happens, you know, it really dovetails with your sort of your personal success because you, if you believe in what you're doing, the, you know, I, it sounds very Pollyanna, but I believe if you believe in what you're doing and you're authentic, it will work out. There'll be struggles and there'll be challenges and the, you know, the route may not be the original route that you thought, but I think that those are characteristics that people value and, you know, you keep working hard and being true and, you know, you will see the success. I love that. That resonates with me. I think that's a fantastic piece of feedback to to leave our conversation with today. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us on the Thrive Podcast. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I look forward to chatting with you again. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Matthew Curtis and plug in to the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.